Is is everything okay over there? Ooh, yeah. Welcome to yet another episode of the Music Video Land podcast brought to you by your extremely super good friends at imvdb.com, the internet music video database, which is different than the um, real life music video database, which is a very large room filled with file folders on aging yellow paper. My name is Adam Fairholm uh, from IMVDB, and we also have with us from... Oh man, this is your first podcast from the big Apple, New York City, USA. Mr. Doug Klinger, how are you, Doug? Super good, Adam. Two steps forward in coolness of my city, two steps backwards in microphone quality, but still doing super good at all, as always. You sound you sound fine to me. Oh, good. And uh, and well, if you hear any traffic outside, that's just the cool New York City traffic. You that's got, it. You guys got your you guys got your honking horns. You got your trash on the road. All you got it all popping, and um, we have it all popping on the podcast here because we have a really interesting interview for this episode. We have uh, Caroline Bottomley on the podcast, who is founder and uh, the founder and managing director of Radar Music Videos. Who, which is a, a company that you may have heard us uh, mention before on the podcast. Actually, just a few episodes ago, we had Ellis Ball, who uh, made the video for Alt J, uh, the Alt J Breeze, Breeze Blocks video, right? And uh, that video was commissioned through Radar. Yeah, anyone who's been uh, anywhere near that video has been repping their um, their association with it. But Radar has a, a huge association with it because they, in fact. Um, put put Ellis and Alt J together, and um, you, in the interview, you'll explain, you'll hear a little bit of how that works. That's right, and I guess we could just give a, a really brief explanation. Caroline goes over it in depth in the interview, but uh, basically, it's just for music video. They connect. Um, it says on their website, we connect professional directors to record labels and artists. So basically. Um, they connect people who are looking to make a music video, who need to make a music video, with people who uh, can make a music video, and uh, they connect them. And uh, you know the way they work is really interesting. A lot of really fantastic music videos have come out of Radar, um, and uh, so you'll hear a little bit about uh, you know where Radar comes from, how it operates, and um, you know I think it's a really interesting look into the music video industry and how videos are getting made now. Yeah, and, and I also think what they do is pretty sweet, not not to mention um, cool. Sweet and cool. Uh, they should have that at the footer of their site. We made their recommendation, but they have not. They've yet to listen to us. <laughs> Doug Klinger, sweet and cool, like a quote. Douglas <laughs> yeah, Klinger, right. I'm Maybe in like a little scroller, just like a few quotes from me. Um, <laughs> well, that and that interview, yeah. It should, it should be like a rotating scroller with just quotes from you. <laughs> right. Different faces. Different poses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same uh, shirt, but different yeah. poses. Exactly. Um, so that interview is coming up in the second half of the podcast. I'm excited. And yeah, as am I. As am I. 
and I guess we should we should talk a little bit about uh, some some news items, Doug, because we this is uh, in the front half. In the front half, um, also known as the front butt, is uh, <laughs> we should talk about a little bit about the Vivo news because Vivo is a. I feel like Vivo is a, kind of a secretive company. Do you get that sense as well? They're pretty secretive. I don't. I don't know much about them. Um, but every once in a while, little nuggets pop up. Um, little braggy, little braggy McBraggerson nuggets. Right, and um, it's interesting because, uh, well, first of all, here I'll, I'll explain what happened, and I can, and of course I had the article up here, and I just completely lost it. Lost um, it on out. It's actually posted on our Facebook wall. If you really want to know and and, and read it, if you uh, have, if you weren't one of the six or seven people who already liked it. Thanks, guys, all you six of you. So a Business Insider has this uh, conference that they put on called Ignition. And uh, Vivo's uh, CEO, uh, Rio – oh, man, I'm not going to get his last name right. Uh, Karef is, uh, was a speaker there, and he spoke. And he said, since the company started in 2009, they have paid out $200 million in royalties to musicians. And uh, of that, $100 million, uh, roughly – is the, this past year? So that means that, three, so th- roughly three years. Last year, half of that. So that's a, a, a large amount of growth. Oddly enough, uh, somebody from Vivo did not confirm those numbers. So I don't know if he was just freeballing it and just was. I, I don't know. They've been giving lots of money out, and they and they gave most of it out last year. Is what they're is what they're saying. What they included with these numbers is that they said that's something that mtv never did and they're claiming that mtv never paid that much money to artists and um you know mtv you know quickly responded and they're like hey we we gave money to artists all the time and then nothing really specific but they just said that they gave a bunch of money to artists but i do think that's important to note that they were also saying like you know mtv or essentially you know the alternative is them getting nothing is what vivo is basically saying it's it's important to mention, in my understanding, what we're talking about here, in terms of fees that are paying out, is just to artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so you play a music video, and it's not like somebody, you know, like the directors or production companies, you know, account gets credited a few cents or some, something like that. It is just the artist. So I think it's an important distinction to make because really, when so when you take into account everything, you know, Vivo is not that different from you know, a Spotify or a Pandora. So all of those kind of rules uh, or, all, you know, all those conversations kind of intertwine mm-hmm. because really the money that is being doled out is going, you know, people generally want it to go to the artist, right? That's the whole conversation. When you see people, you know, saying, oh, Spotify pays too too little because, you know, Grizzly Bears is pissed at the amount of they're getting per stream. The whole sentiment behind it is, artists should be paid more i think it's i think we should go back quickly to the to the fact that vivo is claiming that mtv didn't pay for stuff and i and i don't, didn't pay uh artists and, and maybe it's because the money didn't go right to artists and stuff but i i mean mtv definitely licensed maybe not music videos but they definitely licensed music to play on like daria and and uh beavis and butthead and stuff like that and in fact when the daria dvds came out there was like a little insert. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. There was an insert that included saying, you know, we're sorry that the music from the 90s isn't on this DVD, 
but we didn't license it for DVD distribution, and therefore we had to replace the music in here. So they they definitely were licensing music, and um, you know even now if you look at if you watch um, the reality shows and stuff, they will credit at the end of the episode like music used in this episode, and and they'll say the artist's name. So they're they're definitely licensing that, and it's definitely still used to promote some music in in some kind of way. But uh, one more thing I want to bring up, and that's money that is actually going to the creator of the video, and that's through Vimeo's tip system. That's a, a new feature that they've added. Have you seen this? I have seen it. I have not. I have not. I have not tipped anybody yet, but I've seen the link and I've thought uh, in a passerby way that hmm, interesting. Good move. I, I think. I, yeah, I don't know if anyone's str- struck it rich or anyone's decided to tip based on that stuff, but um, that is an interesting thing that they've. Uh, introduced to get the money directly to the people who created the the work themselves. That is interesting. I, that's I mean that's one way to do it to have people just see a music video and and, and first of all they have to see it on Vimeo, um, right? And then they have to be like, mm, I want to like pull out my debit card and like you know give a few dollars. That I mean from the world I come from, that is a popular way of. Uh, funding you know open source projects people will say you know i'm going to give this away for free but uh you know here's a paypal donate button or something like that buy me a beer a cup of coffee or whatever mm-hmm. um so that is that is definitely interesting and i'm i'm all behind that um, yeah we should i wonder if we should um i wonder if we could get some information from from vimeo about how how active that's been or that they found look into that let's write that down we will, or that's, maybe we'll just re- keep it recorded in this podcast. That's me writing it down. It's the sound effect. Sounds like you're just banging the pen. <clears throat> um, no, not at all. So what happened? So you know, I think it's important when we look at the the number. You know, first of all, we're getting really vague numbers. Obviously, this is not an official statement from Vivo. We're getting, you know, basically everybody reporting on what the CEO of Vivo said at a conference. Uh, you know, at, a, at an event. So this is not anything that was, you know, maybe even not even planned, hence Vivo, you know, n- not coming out and saying, yeah, it's totally the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's it's worth noting that Vivo is included in this sort of, uh, you know, national conversation that yeah. people in the music industry, or people who enjoy music and the people in the music industry have been having about what people get paid um you know just a few weeks ago i think it was a few weeks ago there was the the issue with pandora which is a really interesting story and i think it, it does um uh tie in, about the, tie in the, here you're talking about how they they their power went down and bruno mars had to sing all their songs for a little while <laughs> that was a great pandora? that was a great that was a great skit i like that a lot um Oh, but that's not what you're talking about. No, no, that is not what I'm talking about. Because it, it, it's funny, it, you know, Pandora is a really interesting case for me, and uh, because, I, you know, if you remember, like 2007, Pandora was like really an underdog company. They were on the verge of like going under constantly, and now they're uh, much stronger, and they have been getting gaining a lot of traction, and they actually have. They, you know, you think of uh, companies paying lobbyists in Washington. You think of, you know, like defense companies and, and you know banks and things like that. But Pandora actually does spend significant amount of, amounts of money on lobbying in Washington to change, uh, you know, change some of the um, you know internet radio uh, royalty laws. And you know, the the guy who 
you know, started Pandora, has actually gone and testified, you know, before Congress, you know, gone to Washington in a suit, done the whole thing um, to plead his case to get the laws, you know, changed in their favor. Um, but he posted a blog post on, on, in early October that got a lot of attention, and that was basically them kind of uh, defending their royalty payments um, and saying, like, here, here's how uh, much we pay, you know, Coldplay or Adele or, uh, you know, Drake and Lil Wayne. Um, the number he sources in a quote from the blog post, Drake and Lil Wayne are fast approaching 3 million annual rate each. Wow. And, you know, a lot of people uh, kind of from jumped just, up. From, from just Pandora? From just Pandora. Mm. Um, and a lot of people jumped on that and mentioned that uh, Pandora does not pay uh, uh, artists directly. It's not like you get a check if you're like, you know, Lil Wayne or, you know, whatever Lil Wayne's holding. I'm sure he has some sort of holding company. Um uh, you don't get a check like from Pandora with their logo on it saying like here's your three million for the year. Thanks for making all those great rapidy raps. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pandora pays a, a nonprofit, um, basically a government approved agency called Sound Sound Exchange, and Sound Exchange goes ahead and doles out the uh, royalty payments to the appropriate people as necessary. So if you are an artist, the actual artist, the actual amount that Lil Wayne gets is forty five percent. Um, the a label or the publisher gets 50%, and then there's a 5% allocated to basically session musicians, which is interesting. So people who, you know, you know backup singers, other people who play on the record. Um, so, you know, when you look at the numbers from Vivo, um, you know, I a few articles mention Stout Sound Exchange, for Vivo, but I, I have like direct conflict, conflicting sources of what Vivo does with this money. Some people say they actually do pay via Sound Exchange, but there are other people who, who say that they pay the label and that the, the label is supposed to dole it out, and then you get into the whole band, mm. bands that are are you know in debt to the label. So it gets very complicated. But there, you know, Vivo falls into that category where you look at those numbers and you you have to take them with a grain of salt. Sounds like we need to try to get someone from Vivo to holler at us for a podcast and and uh, see if Maybe. we can't get to the bottom of this. We should get to the. We, should, we need. All we need is a a, a podcast. Like uh, you know, every week we we get closer to the bottom of this because I mm-hmm. think the whole issue of or the whole con- uh, concept behind when a music video is played when I open one up in YouTube versus Vivo um, versus Vimeo. Who gets paid when? I know nobody gets paid when you play it through uh, Vimeo. Uh, who gets paid? How much do they get paid? And what forces determine that? Um, either either way, though, um, it's great that they're having this conversation, uh, that, that people care about like this and that it's a, a topic of conversation. And, and that there's one more quote in there that, that says they want to focus on, on music videos. I don't know why I said focus like that, but they want to focus <laughs> – <laughs> they want to focus on on music videos. That's what their 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 primary focus is, and that's that's um, that's great for for uh, homies like us to hear. That is because you know all of these things come with controversy. I know uh, there are there are, you know there are articles written that have you know have criticisms of criticisms of Vivo, um, but you know on the podcast here we've always been. 
you know, generally positive about Vivo because of the way that they kind of lifted YouTube out of the doldrums of, you know, unofficial music videos, uh, just sort of like a, an ad hoc system to a more, you know, standardized system. That was, I think that was big for YouTube. Yeah, big ups to Vivo for that, for, for doing that. And big ups to Adam for using the word doldrums. And um, I think that was a great, it was a great intro for that we just did. You know, we don't need to section it out so plainly. We don't need to say, like, here's the intro. and have Okay, you... I, let's pretend I didn't say that then. Okay, well, because if we do that, we don't have uh, a way to do our trademark. Um, our, our trademark, uh, what do you call them? Transitions. Oh, right, they are trademarked. We do. We we didn't trademark our name or anything. <laughs> didn't trademark our transitions. We spent important. thousands of dollars trademarking our transitions, uh, which are by their very nature untrademarkable. But right. here's how is this for a transition? We're going to talk to Caroline Bottomley, who is the founder, the person who came up with Radar Music Videos. Um, and if you want a good primer on, or you want an example of what kind of music video can be created through the you know matching system that radar music videos uh, matching mechanism that radar music videos has come up with check out ellis ball's breeze blocks um as well as a few other music videos that we have linked in the show notes um but uh, here we go this is our conversation with uh, radar music video founder caroline bottomley I set up a site called Radar Music Videos back in 2009. It's a a network, an online network, where record labels and independent artists can connect with professional music video directors worldwide. And, you know, what need did you see out there to, uh, you know, to start Radar? Because it is, you know, really unique. We really haven't seen other sites that are doing what you guys are doing. What... What was your experience before then that made you say, you know, this this site needs to exist? Um, well, um, partly it was my back. Partly I was I was looking for something, looking to start a, a business in the area of short film music video. But I don't really like short film very much, and I very much like music video. And um, at the time, there were there were quite a lot of competitions, music video competitions, beginning to happen across YouTube. So here's a track, make a music video for free, and that's how Radar started. I, I spoke to Apple, and they had ne- about running a festival in their store on Regent Street in London, and they'd never done a, a film festival before or a video festival. So they really liked the idea about of that. Um, and once Apple were on board, then I went to Domino Records and Warp Records um, and asked them if they'd donate some tracks and uh, would be prepared to present, do a prize for um uh, for the winners and we ran this competition for two years where people made made music videos on spec and that was um the there were other people doing that in short film i don't think i'd seen anyone else doing that in music videos so that's the opportunity that thinking back i think that's the opportunity i saw to to replicate what was beginning to happen elsewhere in music video but um 
two things happened then. One was um, I realized that that model would never scale very much. And the other thing was um, because it was making music videos on spec, it wasn't very popular. And uh, there was a bit of flaming going on on one site, which Antville, in fact. Um, do you know Antville? We do, yes. yes. Okay, so and you know that people don't hold back on Antville. And, <laughs> <laughs> and there was quite a lot of, who do you think we are trying to get music video directors to make music videos for free? This is dreadful, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, well, you're right, actually. Um, it is dreadful. Um, I mean, it's, there's not that much, clearly not going to be that much money in the industry anymore, but actually people should be rewarded um, at least in, in some way. Um, and so we changed the business model to become um, more like a real life scenario with a, with a real life bricks and mortar production company and real life bricks and mortar um, directors. So now what people do is they, they write on briefs and submit treatments so nobody's making anything on spec. And going quickly back to, you know, when you first started, you mentioned that you liked music videos, but you you, you weren't quite as big a fan of, you know, like the standard short film. Was there something particular about the art form of music videos that, that drew you to it? Or was it more of just addressing that need that you saw out there? I love music videos. I love music videos. The, the first job that I did, which I did for quite a long time, was I worked in a live venue in Sheffield um, so and I loved working with music and in music and doing things related to music but um, I decided I had a career change and started working in TV for a while in TV production but um, it just it just didn't compare with music and so doing music video was a great way to get back into marrying the two things but um, as you were kind of uh, saying when you were just talking then music video is is unique isn't it there's there's nothing there's nothing like it because if 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 because it because you've got a fairly standard length of time which is kind of nice and it's short and that's kind of nice so if it's going to be crap you you know you you're not far into a into a music video before you can establish whether it's going to be great or not great <laughs> um, and um and because I suppose of the because of the music, it seems to attract so many brilliant brilliant creators. So I, I think the highs of music video are like the highs of no other art form. And you know, you uh, I read on TechCrunch that you guys were in beta for a while in in um, in two thousand nine, and then officially launched in two thousand ten. Yeah. You know, when you first started getting people using the site. Um, and commissioning music videos through it. Were there any challenges or sort of assumptions that you found were, were wrong that you had to make changes for as you as you went along? Was there any change in the, your model that you made? Yes, a lot. So that's a really good question and, uh, and, and one that I feel that I'm still addressing now and, and I kind of feel like I'll just keep addressing it forever, really. Um, so the big... Some of the big lessons that I learned was um, charging labels and charging independent artists to use the site. That was a big. That was a really big mistake, um, because the, on the outside you think, okay, well they're the people with the money, so they should pay for it, or or 
it would be easier to charge them somehow because they they're not going to feel it in their pocket as much as music video directors do. But for one thing, I'm not sure how true that assumption is. Um, and for another thing, um, let, I mean, everybody in the world is busy, but record labels and particularly are super busy. And so one of the solutions they want from music video commissioning is for it to be reliable and fast. And so I don't think they, there's a lot of reasons why getting a label to pay to use the site is a bad idea because um, it puts up barriers to entry and if someone's had to put their hand in their pocket to pay for it and, and it's a larger label, then the person who's paid for it might not agree with the person who suggested that they use the site and, you know, you've the, the, there's a lot of pitfalls in there, so we don't we don't charge labels at all now. We don't change it, charge independent artists at all. We we made it as frictionless as possible, so um, uh, there's, it's non-exclusive. There's no obligation to work with anybody if, um, through radar. You know, people labels can use their usual process, or bands can be talking to their friends at the same time as as using radar. So that's a that's a big lesson. Um, from directors, the director's side, I think something that I keep learning all the time is that directors actually, they, one of the big things that directors really want is, is to be, is to have some respect and not in a silly puffed up kind of way, but just basic good manners like if someone's taken the try time to write a treatment, the director would like to know what the commissioner thought of it, you know, even just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And trying to marry up those two things is can be quite difficult with the label being, you know, really, really busy and the director going, well, you know, I've spent a bit of time trying to please you so or trying to get some work through you. So you know, there's things like that. Is that where the uh, feature to... Um have those sort of pre-built responses that can that you can easily um, email to the directors comes from just to make that as easy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, exactly. Like please feedback, do feedback to directors because all you need to do at the very least is, is click a button, but those things you can write, you can overwrite them now. So if you want to give them a bit more, so because quite often what will happen, a label will go, Okay, well, I've really gone with another idea because that other idea was perfect and the band loved it. But I really like your work and I'd like you to keep in touch with us regardless. And so um, a lot that happens quite a lot. I mean, we don't make money out of that relationship, but it's a good thing um, for directors so and for labels, obviously. So we've, we've changed it now. So you can overwrite those pre-written responses and say things like keep in touch or we want to commission you for tour visuals or, or whatever. Um, and, and that's a, in the next iteration, there's going to be some more incentives to encourage labels to, to do feedback. And you, you mentioned that you one of the things you learned was that you, you were previously charging labels and that you stopped doing that. Did you replace that revenue stream? Yes. Directors pay now. Um, so that, so the way to the, it costs directors now roughly $60 for six months or 15, $16 for a month, depending how people want to sign up. And the balance we're trying to strike there is um, 
not too pricey uh, that it feels like um, it feels like you're being ripped off because after all, not everybody who joins is going to get commissioned through Radar. Um, you know, there's a good chance people get commissioned, but that's not necessarily going to happen. So I'm trying to keep bear that in mind. Um, but balance that against it needs to be expensive enough for um, professional directors to be the people who join because the the one of the usps about the site is that it's about professional music video directors it's not about students it's not about people who want to get started making music videos the people that labels will meet on the site are people who um have, have got their career off the ground already in some form or another and on the topic of amounts of money, one of the numbers on the site is the uh, 500 pounds minimum for mm. music video budgets. Yeah. I, and um, and you have also some very helpful tips for people who want to get music videos made for under that uh, amount of budget. So I was wondering um, if you could tell us a little bit about where uh, that number came from, at what, or what point in the site it came from, and, um, and you know essentially what that does. Okay. So... Um... Again, that was something that has, has changed over time. So originally it was the labels could put up whatever budget they liked. And we would, when it first started, um, there'd be quite a lot of three, four, but wait a minute, in dollars, it would be things like four, five, $10,000 budgets would be going on there. Because from a label point of view, even in 2010, that was that was still cheap for them. It isn't now, but um, so so that was that was a cheap budget. But what happened, and what, what's really difficult to deal with, is a drift to the bottom. So a label might have come on thinking, okay, well we've got four thousand dollars, so we're going to put that up for for a budget, and then they'd see someone else had put up a video budget for with maybe eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, and they, not of course, because it's hum we're all human beings, would think, well, why would I put four thousand dollars on there? Let's see what happens if I put a thousand dollars up there. So this inevitable drift to the bottom started happening. Um, and radar became a bit of a garbage place, actually. Um, so a lot of very, very, very low budgets were beginning to turn up there, and you know people weren't interested in pitching. So we introduced a minimum, and it's a fairly arbitrary amount. I mean, it's it's eight hundred dollars, um, equivalent to five hundred pounds, because. Uh, that that just seems to be a figure that gets bandied around quite a bit. I haven't got very much, but I got have got 500 quid. And that does seem to be something that uh, professional directors, even if, even though it is rubbish money and it hardly pays for anything, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's still, if, if the track is fantastic, it might be worth their while beginning a relationship with someone. Now, uh, you guys had a great success with the Alt-J Breezelblocks video, which just recently won the UK MVA for Best Alternative Video. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was wondering in terms of uh, success stories, is that one of the, I mean, that's something that you guys are, are promoting now, is it success story? Um, 
you know, can you tell us, you know, about some other ones that have, you know, gone on to, to, to do, you know, not necessarily award winners, but even some favorites of yours that have come out of this process? Um, yes. And that's, I mean, again, this is something that, uh, a new thing, but it could have been something we could have been doing for a long time. We're beginning to write up success stories now. They'll, they'll mm. be going to the blog soon. Um, there's a guy called Emile Raphael who, who did a video very recently for, he's a London photographer who wanted to start making more music videos. And he made a video for a Swedish label, a fairly small Swedish label, and it's really beautifully shot, as you might imagine, from a photographer. And it got the it got an awful lot of attention on an awful lot of blogs. And we'll do promotion for great videos as well. And we we don't go to music blogs particularly because that's kind of the the province of the artist or the label to go and do that. But we'll come to people like you. Um, or Vimeo staff picks or promo news or video static or whoever um, and say do you like this video we think it's great da, 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 da. anyway so Emile's video for Headshake got a lot of that kind of attention it went onto a lot of creative um, websites and, and uh, got a lot of nice feedback and so he has since he's just been interviewed on the Young Directors Award uh, which is one of those sort of sites that people, that a lot of the industry keep an eye on in the UK. Um, and he's he emailed me today to say that he's making a couple of music videos for Partizan. So I don't know whether that means he's, I need to find out whether he's been signed by Partizan or or what. I can I can only imagine. So you know, do you, do you, you, you know Partizan, Michelle Gondry? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um so you know that's a really that's a great thing to have happened for him. I mean, yeah, he's a really talented guy, um, and he and the video that he made through Radars really trampolined him up a level. It seems uh, there's a guy in Manchester. This is quite a, quite a long time ago actually, but he was up in Manchester making corporates for the. Um, he did a lot of brewery commercials. Um, and he loves drum and bass, and he made these fabulous music videos for some uh, drum and for a drum and bass label, who again were quite small. But the videos have been made with such love and such care and attention uh, that Ke this guy Kenny, he was invited down by Saatchi to go and have a, to be interviewed with them. He's I, I don't know how many awards he's won all over the place since then because he's gone on to make a lot more. Um, music videos that do really well uh, and one one more jumps to mind again which is some time ago but it's a guy in Guatemala who's a commercials director in Guatemala um, he made a music video for a small UK band called The Wave Pictures and he did this lip dub video in Guatemala City and it's just brilliant it's just a brilliant brilliant video and uh yeah, he went, that went everywhere, and that, I think, although he was Guatemalan and he lived in Guatemala City and did a lot of work there, I think he was also doing some work in L.A. anyway, but, so I don't know whether that particularly leapfrogged his career, but it, it was shown at the um, British Film Institute over here, Got did really, really well on YouTube, it was featured on YouTube, and so on, and so on. There's, cause there's quite a few really nice gems like that. Oh, Guatemala. That is not a country that we've seen a lot of music videos come out of. So that's uh, that's really interesting. 
Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious uh, since Adam asked about the success stories, and that's obviously very interesting. With with kind of a, a wider net that's being cast with with Radar Music Video, it, 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 are there any um, like the opposite of success stories or people who were extremely uh, upset or, or, or just kind of didn't see eye to eye with it? Or, or do you guys kind of, once you help facilitate the connection between director and, and, uh, and artist, do you kind of disassociate yourself with that after that point? We, um, yeah, the, the commitment that we make and the promise that we make is that we'll connect people and, and once they're connected, then it's up to them. So that's, that's the bare bones of it. But in actual fact, if there ever are problems, we do get involved and we do, um, we do do what we can to help sort things out. And that, it doesn't happen that often. To say that it's an, an online site and that, you know, quite often it's people who don't know each other are working with each other. Um, it's, it's relatively rare, but it does happen. Oh, and we always say to labels and artists, take a reference from someone who's worked with this person before. So we have had uh, instances where the label has been very slow to pay, um, and we got involved there. I mean, the only sanctions we can do really is say, look, if you don't pay like you promised to pay, you're not going to be able to use radar again. Um, which, in the in the in the in, in the various, you know, of, of all the threats that you can use, that's not a really strong threat. But, you know, um, it has. we haven't so far had a situation where the label have just gone, look, hard luck, you know, I'm not going to pay, or, you know, where they've gone so silent that people don't end up being paid. Or at least I don't know of any situations where that's happened. Um, we had a situation where um, the director was so off the wall he made a really beautiful video that the artist was really happy with but he didn't get as far as cutting it because um he i don't know what happened he wasn't he was slightly unstable um person and we actually got together and agreed how that situation would be resolved it was actually a clash of personalities with the director who was um uh, as there was somebody else who is a commissioner who said the main thing she looks for in music di- directors, she was an American, uh, is that they keep taking the meds. And uh, and I think this guy just wasn't taking all his meds anyway. That was- <laughs> <laughs> but it's been primarily like um, just creative, creative disagreements and stuff like that. There hasn't been a case where like a, um, like a director or something has just like kind of taken the money and run type of a thing. Not, no, I don't think so. There's been a there's been a situation. I think this is true. I'm just thinking. Yeah, there's been a situation where um a uh, 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 pairing uh, got to rough cut, and the the client just said, "Look, I'm not happy with this, and I don't want to proceed any further." Um, and so that didn't that didn't go on to be to be made. Um. But he did pay the director some money, because um, we also, when people commission, we send we send out this, some standard support information that we send out, saying you know if you don't know this is the way to organise cash flow, pay a little bit up front, pay some so on and so on. And on the whole, people do seem to be able to work it out. Um, 
Yeah. So it's it's not always a, a, a painless process, but it's it's a pay it's it's less of a painful process than you might imagine. Now, in terms of numbers, I was just wondering, what is the average, you know, ballpark number of uh, um, treatments that a, a video much might get? Does it depend on the the budget? Yes, we've just had a um, Hadouken um, brief on the site, which they come out of a really good. They've got fantastic um, following already. They've got really smart management behind them um and they put a brief up for five thousand dollars and they said it could be made from anywhere in the world because that was the thing about ellis ball and um alt j so alt j are a uk band and ellis is a new york director and he made his video in new york so you know the band went in it so similar scenario for hadouken whatever comes out of that if they do commission a, a radar director um that might not have the artist in it. And they got, I haven't checked, but I would guess they got about 25 or 30 treatments. It's more common to get around 10 treatments. Um, it's more common for a brief to be $800. And, and the budget definitely makes a difference, but not always. So if it's a really bad track, um, from someone, say an independent artist who's got, who's a rich person who um, may be not very good musician, um, then even though it's a, uh, I don't know, five, eight grand budget, it's still not going to get much attention. Whereas the $800 budgets, if it is a really cool band that people are, uh, uh, responding to um that can get more than 10 treatments so yeah the music the music has a very satisfying um effect hmm. on on the underlying trend of a response according to budget and do you find that the the briefs and the and the songs that are, are posted on radar typically are um commissioned through radar or do you find that the labels are are using radar as a tool to you know, post briefs and also sending it around to some of the other production companies um, and, uh, you know, and, and trying to, you know, just using radar as part of who they're presenting the, the treatments or excuse me, the briefs to, or are they, you know, if it's up on radar, are they typically booking through them? Through you guys? Uh, it's, it, uh, it, uh, labels, a lot of labels will be doing um, exactly that. They'll use radar and they'll be talking to production companies that they usually talk to and reps that they usually talk to. Um, and that definitely happens with the larger labels. Um, cause this, yeah, that definitely happens with the larger labels. Um, about two-thirds of the briefs that go onto radar go to commission, as far as we know. When a brief closes, our community manager, Christina, she'll get in touch with the label and or the artist about a week afterwards and say, you know, hi, how's it going? Uh, anything we can help with? Let us know if you do commission, because if you do commission, we'll help publicise that and blah, blah, blah. So we always follow up and find find out as, as best we can. And about two-thirds get commissioned, about a third don't. Now, for uh, you know a director who is writing treatments on radar... Um, from what you've seen and the, the you know the work that's been um, commissioned, 
are there any tips or any sort of trends that you see are, are successful? What, what, what would be some uh, tips that a director could use to, to, to get a positive response on there? Um, definitely have an up, updated profile somewhere. I mean, people can, can do that on radar and the treatments automatically link back to the radar profile. But, um, so that's, that's recommended if not at radar somewhere, Vimeo probably, um, so definitely have nicely presented up-to-date work. Um, one page for, um, for the writing. Um, good, good opening paragraph. Um, I mean, all the things, all the tips that exist for writing a strong sales document is, is this. Um, a nice, short, punchy um, outline of, of what the video is going to look like. Uh, why you're a great director, why you're the right person for it. Um, and then people will often put on uh, mood boards, and I think they can only be helpful. I don't know. I've, I've never checked back to see, to ask about that, but uh, I can imagine that's helpful too. And, you know, uh, as we know from uh, working on our site over here, sites are always evolving and there are always new plans in in the works um do you guys have uh more features or more changes down the pipeline that you that you're working on yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, there's um well the blog's gonna be taking off more is one thing so we're gonna have more articles up there more helpful articles we're thinking about introducing a premium subscription rate for directors with more features in it, um, but that's that's at its very early stages. Um, and there's a section in Radar called the Marketplace, um, which is about partnerships that we're setting up with people. And we've just partnered with a. I don't know if you've heard of the Orchard. It's a it's a distribution company. I think I have. Yeah, I'm looking at their their logo here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they they distribute for smaller labels. Well, they distribute for big labels as well. Um, but as a distributor, they're also uh, providing some label services. So partnerships are – we're doing more and more partnerships with people. We're, that's something that we're in discussion with quite a lot of people um, about that right now. And the marketplace is going to become more of a place where uh, we can promote their services just as they're promoting our services to their clients. And, you know, I also wanted to ask you that, you know, you have had a really unique perspective on, you know, certain segments of the music video industry for the past few years, you know, through operating the site and seeing treatments come in and, and music videos be commissioned. It, are there any tr trends or any changes in the industry since 2009 that you've been able to discern from your vantage point? Um, somebody else has asked me to um, think about that as well, and it's um, I would say um, the videos that are really getting people's attention at the moment are the Remain Gavras ones. Those beautifully big. I I don't like lots of his stuff. I have to say because it's because it's it's very male um, and very blokey. But there are some that are like that um, MIA Bad Girls one is fabulous, fabulous. And uh, those huge cinematic narrative videos, definitely seeing a lot more of those recently. Um, really beautifully shot, 
um, big sweeping stories. And even on small budgets, all that sort of stuff's beginning to come out more. Uh, very interesting animations like uh, Imp- uh, Tame, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Tame Impala, that one with plasticine. Um, it's just it's very interesting i think this has been a feature all the time actually though but those animations where you just have to marvel over the amount of time and effort that somebody's put into something and you can kind of see the cleverness of it um and then i'm seeing more videos that are clever but you can't work out how the heck they've done it so more camera trickery um and i'm just trying to think of an example for that I'll come back to you by email afterwards because I can't remember. I can't remember what the video is called. Oh, and um, although there are a lot of videos like this, you know, Babies on Fire, uh, Deant Bort. I just love that video. Um, and I think, and that's very high production values. Um, but uh, is that quite simple? It's very funny anyway. So I think, I don't know if that counts as a trend. Um, Sorry, what but, was that one you said? It was a Deant word? Yeah, Diantbut and Babies on Fire. It's that one where, so it's a narrative and the pretense is, um, what's his name, Ninja is the brother and Yolanda is the younger sister and she's got lots of boyfriends coming around the house. And oh, yeah, okay. I know, I know what you're talking about. We're big uh, Diantbut fans over here on the podcast uh, yeah. for, for their music video work. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, but one thing that I would expect to see that I'm not seeing, and I'm and I'm so looking out for it, is um, more sexy music videos that are sexy for women to watch, um, and that are sexy that are yeah sexy from a women's perspective because there there are it's there's just not many videos come out that I think. Oh, talking that kind of language, and and I think it's 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 a great big hole because it's not as though there aren't lots of really talented women music video directors out there, and not as though there's lot not loads of really talented um, female artists, and also not as though there aren't a whole load of men that are interested in that subject as well, but somehow it's still as an art form it. It's mainly, well, not mainly, but there's still an awful lot of sexism in there. Um, or maybe that's a bit harsh. Or what there is, is there's, there's a lot of male points of view of, of what is sexy. And there's very, very, very few female points of view of what's sexy, I think. Is there anything that comes close uh, in your eyes? Or is, there any, or is it just that it's completely devoid of that? Um I think there's a Jonas Policewoman video which has got um, male bodybuilders in, which I think is quite... I mean, it's difficult to say that's sexy because there's a whole load of dead fish in it as well. <laughs> so, so not that sexy. But, it, but you know, the, it, it's it's a different take on men and, and Jonas Policewoman is quite, you know, she's got quite a sexy relationship with these men. Um and I don't know if the woman in Dragonette is a lesbian. I kind of imagine so because there's a video that has just that they they've just done, which has got a sort of lesbian sort of uh, uh, thread running through it. Um, 
But I can't, I have to say, I can't think of that many other videos where I think this has been made to, for the pleasure of, for women's viewing pleasure. And partly, I think, is because there isn't much tradition of what is women's viewing pleasure anyway. So, um, so maybe it's just that it's a difficult nut to crack, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's something we've we've actually talked about on the podcast a little bit before and talking with uh, women uh, uh, music video directors. Because there are, at least it seems to us a lot, you know, there are a good amount of music women music video directors out there. Um, and are, are there... Do you see that on your site in terms of, I don't know if you have this data or not, in terms of um, men music video directors versus women music video directors pitching? Um, I, I don't have that data, but uh, it's, it's probably uh, from, a, from a rough feel, I think it's about 90% um, men pitching and 10% women. Hmm. Um, yeah, roughly. interesting interview um she was she is not a director right caroline is not a director you're right i'm just making that observation are you are you saying that well it's you know it's good to have non non non-directors oh i'm not saying definitely not saying it is a bad thing i'm just saying that we have a lot of directors on this podcast caroline is not one we have a lot of directors and you and you you interview a lot of directors yeah i talk to them i talk to them uh, pretty regularly about their music videos, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is good. They're generally a nice group of people. Yeah, one somebody that I've talked to um, for video chats, which is what you were talking about here, um, is also uh, the director of my pick of the week. So that's cool. Interesting. Tell and tell us a little bit more about video chats. Video chats is a blog series where I interview directors about uh, typically a single music video or a series of music videos by a single artist. Hmm. So that's, that's what it is. And I, and I chat with them about the video. So it's called video chats. And then, we, and then it's, a, it's text. It's text-based, not sound-based, audio-based like this podcast here. And so the, you, re, you read them. But, you, but you, you actually talk to them and then you write, and you write it down. Yeah, that's the best part of it all is transcribing. It's my favorite part of the whole process. Yeah. Talking to cool, talking to cool directors, snooze fest. Type in what I type in my own voice. Love it. Uh, that's uh, people don't know. That's that's actually ninety seven percent of Doug, Doug's job. <laughs> type in my own damn voice. Exactly. Um, and you know, you know what the other three percent of my job is? Uh, it's probably picks of the week. Probably Pick, picks of the week. It's the other three percent of my job. Uh, um, and since I already referenced mine, I think I'm just going to move forward with yeah, it. Yeah, just go. I'll go ahead with it. <clears throat> go on with it. Um, my pick of the week is by a man named Earl Sweatshirt, and the song is Chum. Um, it's directed by Hiro Mirai. Uh, in, in a couple of days, you will be able to read an interview with Hiro Mirai uh, about this particular video. Uh, so I'm not going to get too far into it. Um this uh, this is essentially um, Earl Sweatshirt's been around for a while. He's part of Odd Future, and, and I think this video is going to be what many will consider to be his like kind of 
uh, solo release to the world. I think it's his first kind of solo music video, definitely first solo music video on this level, directed by um, someone like Hero, who's you know has a very um, prolific videography uh, under his belt. Uh, you know, Odd Future could, has a um, tendency to be crazy and hilarious at times. This video is not crazy and hilarious. A little bit more uh, personal and um, a little darker. All their stuff is dark, but this is not dark humor. Uh, and it's just, a, it's a really great video. I'm not going to get too much into explaining exactly what happens in the video because there's, there's going to be a video chat for that. Plus, you could just watch it. But I do direct you to Earl Sweatshirt Chum, directed by Hero Mariah, Doug Clinger of the Week. Hmm. Pick of the Week, Doug Cl That's a great video. It's a great video. A lot, a lot of buzz around this video when it came out yesterday. There was a lot of buzz. Now, you know, here's an uh, interesting factoid that we that I learned. I don't know if you noticed this, but the director, Hio Mirai, who directed Earl Sweatshirt Chum, went to high school with Jonah Hill. Did you see that? Um, I did Jonah Hill's tweet, you mean? Yeah, his tweet. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... I hadn't, like, seen any yearbooks or anything. So, no, I didn't know. I know now. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I wasn't pouring over Heroes High School. Where, where or, did you grow up? Or Jonah's, California. Hmm. So, wait, so, yeah, another, so, good, another great tweet. If we're gonna, if we're talking about tweets related to this music video, mm -hmm. we got to talk about the one that, uh, that you retweeted yesterday from Hero, and that was somebody who asked him what the video was about, and he said it was about the the economic downturn <laughs> freeze. I, this is one of the funniest things. I'm definitely gonna look. I will, I will talk to Hero about that tweet in the interview. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I guess it's time for my pick of the week. It is after I go. If you haven't gone yet, then you go. One of these days, we should, we should just have somebody bust in again. Like, who was the director who busted in that one time? <laughs> we had uh, Saman. Saman, yeah, okay. Because I, I, I picked his video. And, <laughs> and you guys are going to look. We'll link to that in the show notes, too. That was great. Uh, so this one is um, one that just came out today, December 5th. Wednesday, December 5th, 2012. And it's directed by uh, Michael Lawrence and Alex Molling. And it is I Turn On by Slam Donahue. Uh, now... Uh, Michael Lawrence is has, is a great director. Uh, he's directed a lot of videos, and back me up on this, Doug. They're they're more more serious in tone, a little bit more narrative, or um, maybe not, or sorry, non-narrative, serious in tone videos. Is that accurate? Yes, and and yeah, they're and they they definitely feature a lot of um, landscape, and yeah, not a lot of story, not so much story. Right. One of those, for example, is uh, Crystal Ball by Emil and Friends, where there's it's a fantastic video, no laughs to be had. This video has many laughs to be had, and it tells the story of uh, this high school basketball team who's losing very badly, and this is not doesn't look like an important game. The parents in the crowd are uh, very bored, and then these two players come in and they just they win the game. They they rock the house with their with their playing. Uh, and that's not where it ends. My favorite part of this video is that the whole time they're, they use their, you know, uh, them going in and winning this basketball game as a premise to pick up these two uh, moms in the, in the audience who are there alone. And then there's this, so the, most of the video is, is this great, um, you know, montage of them winning the game. 
And then at the end, there's there's this great sequence of them basically, you know, having fun with these moms. They're still in their basketball jerseys, and they're like having wine. They're falling asleep on the couch, and things are like getting really serious. And then their husbands, like the husbands of the wives, throw them throw the kids out of the house. Just a really weird video. That's that's uh, really funny, and um, I, I really enjoyed it. A lot of little funny things in there. And the two, the guys who play the two kids are really good. When you when they're having when like it's just lit by firelight and they are like drinking red wine with the two moms, you man, they, they, there's there's a connection there. I think in real life because you can you're, see the love in their eyes. You're calling them kids. Those are the band members. Actually, those are grown men. But... I know those are grown men. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. Those are yeah. Those but they're are... playing high school basketball basketball right, right. students um, students yeah. of basketball. Right, they're clearly definitely on the team. Not to j- jump into your pick, but they're clearly definitely on the team. But they're also cl- clearly adults because they have beards and stuff. And the rest of the kids who are playing with them are kids, so that's uh, an interesting distinction that he made. <laughs> uh, so yeah, sorry if any of the band members are listening. I didn't mean to, <laughs> to label as you as kids. Although I did know many people with who could have grown facial hair in high school. Just letting you know. Great point. Including including me. Ever hey since, ever, how about that? Ever since, uh, like, last few months of senior year, I could definitely grow a mustache. So anyway, that's my pick of the week, and um, I like it. It's a very funny video. I like the funny videos. You know, it's, it's it's you know, we're, we're right now we're preparing our, our ten, top ten of the year list, which is, which is an important, we're not doing, like, separate ones this year. We're doing a, one singular list, so Doug and I Unified. have to agree on. And what's that? I just said unified. It's a unified list, and I, I and it's it's I'm fighting for some good comedy ones in there because I think comedy music videos are are they're maybe not as taken as serious as the the more artistic ones, but I think they they can do they they have their own special merits or categories of merits. Absolutely, completely agree with that, and they could still be artistic, um, and 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 have some great you know great looking shots in there too. Just because they're funny doesn't mean it's that they completely ignore, um, you know, the like there's no director of photography suddenly because it's a, a comedy video. I mean, uh, so, yeah, big fans of comedy videos is us. It's like uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley uh, and Jack Black was the thing they did at the Oscars, comedian at the Oscars, the whole music music thing. Oh, uh-huh. Jesus. They did a thing. They did something, mm. probably. All right. Well, I'm just going to fizzle out there. I think that's all we got for this episode. So it's what, we don't need anything else. That was enough. We did it all. We're going to get back to running IMVDB.com because it is not uh, – you may think, oh, those guys that run IMVDB.com, always sitting out in the shade with a with a drink by the pool. Nope. Not true. Slugging through. Slugging through. Code slingers. So – Code and, and video chat slingers. That's so, it. And hiding from hiding from our female significant others. <laughs> and that's right. Now don't give too much away about your domestic situation, Doug. People may come and try and find you. Let's just I'm say not, Doug I, is in New York, in Manhattan, and he has a girlfriend. Let's just say that. That's enough. Um, very beautiful, and it's great.
Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Ne- 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 ne-